Welcome to another episode of Rich in Relationship. And today we're talking about how to get your wife's attention back. And why would you need that? Maybe you don't even know you need your wife's attention back. Or maybe you're a wife who wants to have your husband's attention back and you're not sure how to do it. Well, this is the episode for you. Because so many couples in the pandemic have drifted apart. And it's almost a necessary evil, we're going to call it, drifting apart. We're cooped up in a space together, and in order to survive, we learn how to have our own alone time and be careful about how we share our time together. Be careful about what we say to each other. Why? Because we don't want to trigger each other. It's really easy when you're, you've been cooped up in a space with someone, even if you love them and they love you, to find yourself easily triggered, especially under stressful circumstances like the last year and a half. And now we're at this point where we're kind of kind of back, but kind of not, you know, but we're moving towards a regular life again. And the question is, how do you move from this state where the two of you are leading parallel lives, where you're not focusing on intimacy anymore the way that you'd like to, where those, let's call them caring conversations are absent, where the trust isn't quite what it could be, where empathy, understanding what's going on in the other person's shoes are what's missing. If this is you, let's talk about where do we want to go with this? Where we want to be is we want to have conversations where we're sharing what's going on with one another. We want to talk about what are we doing this week? So there are no surprises. We want to talk about what are the disappointments? Where are the shortfalls? So that we can fix them, not so that we can hammer each other with them. But what's been going on is there hasn't been much conversation about that. And when there has been, it maybe has been a little explosive and even felt a little unsafe. And so this episode of Rich in Relationship is about how do we get back our wives' attention if you're a man or if you're a woman? How can you teach your husband to communicate with you in a way that's going to reestablish that sense of trust, that sense of uh, that he knows who you are and where you're coming from, that he knows how to talk to you, that sense of regular caring communication so that when one of you is blue, the other one knows, or when the other one's excited, the other one knows, and you're really in each other's corner. This is where we're going to talk about that. And the bridge from We'll call it again from parallel live syndrome is what we like to call it here on Rich and Relationship. The bridge from parallel live syndrome to an intimate, caring relationship has to do with understanding the way your partner communicates, understanding what really touches them, what's really important, what are they really saying. So I'm going to share a personal story. I don't do that very much. Last night, I came back from a day trip. I took a day trip to visit a friend of mine in Philadelphia, a young man who's going to law school, been a pal of mine. We went to church together to be completely transparent. And another friend of ours and I, we went to Philadelphia just to check in on him, make sure it's all good, keep the relationship going because all relationships require regular investment of time and caring communication, even if it's not your wife, right? I got back about an hour late, expected to get back around 6.30, got back at 7.30. And when I got back, my partner was really PO'd. 
Now, I told her that I was going the night before, and I communicated with her all through the day, what time I was getting back and when we hit traffic delays. I thought I did everything right, right? And much to my surprise, she was really peeved. And in that way that women can do, she laid out on me, not only that she was peeved because she had wanted, would have wanted to have known about this more than a day in advance, even though she was at work all day and it only cut into an hour of our time together, she would have liked to have known about this more in advance. She also laid out all my other defects of character that have come up over the last week, the any unreasonable demand, any way that she didn't feel I had appreciated her. Now I'm gonna tell you that my natural, my natural reaction as a man is, I don't understand this. I told you I was going. I was mostly gone while you were working. I was an hour late, didn't get to have dinner with you, notified you in advance that was happening. I, I just don't get it. And then the other things that she was complaining about, actually we got down to what was really bothering her had to do with um, the way that I'm contributing financially to the household, which is, She'd like to see it be a regular infusion of cash instead of purchasing things or irregular infusions. But in order for me to get to that, I had to get off of my male-oriented way, which is, I don't understand. You know, the goal is communication. I communicated. I don't understand. The goal is to spend time together. I left at a time where we didn't spend time together. I don't understand. The goal is for me to share. I share. I like to as a man, I'm super goal oriented. Uh, and I under all I understand is if the goal is this, then we do A, B, and C. And I don't understand why this doesn't, you know, that doesn't work for you because that's the stated goal. The problem is my wife's not a man. Uh, she's actually an A personality type. So she does understand about goals. I mean, this is not to say that women are not goal oriented or that men can't be relational. But she is, she still thinks in, how do I put this? She thinks about all the things rolled together and what they mean. I tend to isolate it. Okay, you want communication? I'm giving you communication. Okay, you want financial contribution? I'm giving you financial contribution. Okay, I'm, uh, I contribute on all these other levels. And she sees the whole thing woven together. And when she starts to be concerned that she's seeing a pattern, of breakdown, whether it's real or not, that's what she's communicating to me. So she's communicating to me about a pattern and I'm communicating about a specific goal. And somehow we're completely missing each other. And this is typical of men and women. Men and women constantly miss each other on this level. I'm sure you've all heard of the book, Men Are From Mars and Women Are From Venus. It's the same idea that men have a specific way of communicating. And Women have a specific way of communicating and they often miss each other. So how did we resolve this? Well, I gotta tell you, it was difficult because I felt uh, bullied and challenged and all those things that we feel when somebody's coming at us with a certain level of emotion. Now, to my wife's credit, she was not yelling and screaming at me. She was not throwing things at me. It wasn't that level of conflict, but she definitely had some emotion. The answer was to speak with her in the way that she wants to be spoken to. She didn't want to hear about how I was hitting the goals and doing everything right. First, she wanted to know that I actually heard her. And so I reflected back what she said to her. 
instead of being completely oppositional, I was somewhat oppositional. Reflecting back is a really important tool. So reflecting back looks like lo looking for one emotion and one fact in what they're saying. And so every time she would say something to me, I would say, it sounds like you're very frustrated because you feel that instead of contributing in irregular chunks, I should be giving a regular contribution. She said, yes, that's right. I said, I, you know, I don't understand that. I said to her, but I'll do that. And I, that was really honest. I really don't understand that. But I, but I understand that that's important to her. And so I'm gonna do it. And honestly, the, to me, there's no difference either way. Contribution is a contribution. If that's the way she needs to receive it, that's the way I'm going to give it to her. And as she went on uh, about the communication thing, you know, she expressed uh, there was a fear that I was leading a secret life. And so I said to her, I understand you're afraid that maybe I've got things going on that you just don't know about a whole life that's just in the background. And that's what could be very triggering for someone, especially uh, when infidelity is at a 60 to 80% rate, depending on what study you look at in all relationships across the board, that's pretty wild. And so, you know, reassured her, constructive listening, constructive listening, constructive listening. And then spoke to that concern, uh, made, assured her that in the future that I would give her greater, even though, even if I thought it was insignificant that in the future, I would give her greater notice. So what does that mean for us men? Uh, does that mean, by the way, does that mean my relationship with my wife is fixed? No. Uh, it means that we still have, we're still missing each other on some level because, and we'll talk about that more in a minute because that's the, what's really important. That's the part we really need to, need to give. Like what I've just given you are kind of short-term little tools for managing the conflict. But the trick is to have a relationship where you're not missing each other, where the conflict is happening on such a low level that there isn't anger. There isn't fear around it. There's just maybe concern. Maybe you're having differences about something and you can just talk about it in a concerned way. That's the goal. I'm looking to develop a whole program for couples like you and me who are coming out of this time of change and no change out of the pandemic to rebuild our marriages. So they're better than ever, better than ever. And that involves not just managing conflict when it comes up, but having a strategy for caring communication where differences are resolved with minimal conflict. It's what the conflict field experts call constructive conflict, right? Constructive, destructive conflict is when people are angry and there's blame and fear involved. Uh, and it's communicated in a way that is demeaning of the other person. Creative conflict is when we're expressing our concerns and exploring our differences and looking for a way that meets the needs behind those differences so that everybody's needs are being met to some extent, win-win. It may not be a perfectly honed solution. A lot of times, by the way, when we hear the term win-win, we think that means everybody gets everything they want. That is not what creative conflict is about, creative or, or resolution of conflict of any kind. Win-win, or neither is it what win-win is about, right? Win-win means everybody gets something they want that's important. And the things that are less important maybe are put down or put away for another time. Win-win means that both sides walk away feeling like they've had some kind of victory, but not that they are completely victorious over the other person. It's a personal victory. Win-win means that we are 
again, going back to intimacy, that we're having empathy for the other person. And so that we see that a win for us, if it's someone we love, is that they have a win, right? And when we're in destructive conflict, is that what's going on? Hell no. When we're in destructive conflict, we are going to win at all costs. They are wrong and we are right. Isn't that how that goes? So what we're working on here is a strategy for winning our wives back, or if you're listening to this, for teaching our husbands how to win our hearts back, that involves a future where we're not having destructive conflict, where we're having constructive conflict. And every time there's difference, something new, a synergy is creating, something new emerges, something beautiful emerges that builds the relationship stronger and moves the relationship forward toward the shared visions of the relationship. And every relationship, every relationship has shared vision. Every one of them. Every relationship has shared values. The problem isn't when we're having destructive conflict with our partner that our values are completely different, though that can happen. The problem usually is that we have the same values, but they're upside down. My A value is your C value. Your A value is my C value, and it looks like a conflict because my value is family and yours is communication. And down here, I have communication and uh, down here, you have family. And so somehow it looks like a clash of values, but it isn't. So part of constructive conflict is about getting that we have the same values, identifying that the values are the same. And then maybe we're both gonna, what we're gonna compromise is not on the value, but on the urgency of the value. And that comes by mutual agreement and looking at the circumstances and seeing if the circumstances really warrant leaning into that value at that time. So let's go back to my example of last night. My A value, in that circumstance is my relationship with my wife. And so even though I felt attacked and even though I completely didn't understand why she needed things a certain way, why that was so important to her, maybe I'll understand later. Because my A value is that we, our partnership is sustainable. I'm willing to shift to meet that need. And there's no cost to me in shifting that need. The only cost to me is that the discomfort of doing things a different way. Uh, there's no cost financially. There's no cost to communication. And financial contribution is a high value for me. Regular communication is a high value to me. But apparently, the way that I was doing it indicated to her that it wasn't the same value as she had. And so by doing it the way she would like, it's a win-win. I value those things. She values those things. It's not uncomfortable for me to do it. It's minimally uncomfortable for me to make that shift. And so I do it, right? We'll go back to the story. What works? What doesn't? All right. So here we are. We've got a strategy for managing destructive conflict, which is caring communication. It's uh, committed listening, reflecting back. Um, and that committed listening, by the way, it helps us to not be so triggered, right? By listening and listening for one feeling and one fact, even though a part of me is going, I can't believe she's attacking me. The other, my intellect, my mind is saying, all right, just focus. Like you can address that, but, but focus on what she's saying first. Make sure you understand what she's saying. Don't 
jump to conclusions, right? That part of us that's always looking for danger, for something to be wrong, it has no rational basis. And often it thinks it sees danger when there isn't, right? This, that part of our brain that does that, it, it evolves to look for the tiger in the woods, I like to say, and it can see something that looks like a tiger and say, oh my God, it's a tiger. And then find out, oh, that wasn't a tiger at all. That was a branch shaped like a tiger, or that was something not dangerous that made me think it was a tiger. That made, oh, that was my cousin making growling noises just to fake me out, whatever. But that part of my brain that identifies things jumps right to the conclusion that it's a tiger, whether it knows it or not. It's our thinking mind that decides whether that's really a tiger or my cousin. And it does that by exploring. And so by going to committed listening, we're engaging our conscious thinking mind, our cerebral cortex is what it's called, so that that other part of our mind, the amygdala is what it's called, that's always looking for danger, is just chilled out for a little while. It's not dead, it's not gone, it's a necessary thing, but it, it under, it, it's not where our energy is. Our energy is in exploration. All right, so we know that in high conflict, the strength is in exploration. How do we take that and move it forward? One, as the man, it is really important that we take the lead when it comes to caring communication. And, because, and that is because we are goal-oriented, all right? Uh, our wives are gonna be more relational. They're gonna wait until there's a crisis or until it feels right, or they may not lead in at all, but they want us to take the lead. And because we're goal-oriented and we want to build relationship, we need to use that goal-oriented nature and say, you know what, I'm gonna, I am going to talk to my wife on Monday, Wednesday, and Sunday, or no, Sunday, Monday, Sunday and Wednesday, or something like that, or maybe it's Monday, Wednesday, Friday, whatever works for you, and I'm going to review calendaring. I'm going to ask her how she's doing, and when she tells me how she's doing, Instead of going, uh-huh, and what else? Because the goal isn't for me to get, the goal, by the way, is not to gather information. There are two goals here. The first is to meet a need for regular communication and show that we're invested in caring in it. And the second is to practice being relational. So what that means is when our wife says, I had a really tough day at work today, you go, wow, I'm sorry to hear that. You're not practicing being relational. What you're doing is being goal-oriented. All right, I got the information. It was a tough day at work. I better be careful. <laughs> That's not where you want to go with this. Where you want to go with this is, really? What happened? And so being relational is about exploring. It's taking that same tool that kept us from getting into trouble when we were feeling attacked and using it in a calmer situation. We're going to Explore, and we're going to do that not by asking yes or no questions. We're not going to say, we're not going to say, for example, "Oh, it was a really tough day. That must have been rough." We're going to say, "What was tough about today?" Open-ended questions. So, being relational is about asking open-ended questions, and we're going to keep asking open-ended questions until we get to the bottom of this. So, if you're a guy who's into production. Right? You may know something about Kaizen. Kaizen is the Japanese, the Tokyo uh, Toyota way of manufacturing cars. And actually, we exported this to the Japanese and they perfected it. In Kaizen, they, they talk about five whys. When something's broken, when they're having a problem on the assembly line, they ask five whys. 
they ask, oh my goodness, we're having a problem with the lug, you know, one lug nut out of five is loose and this is leading to accidents uh, three months after the cars roll off the assembly line. And they go back to the guy who's putting the lug nuts on and they say, okay, what's the problem here? Seems like one out of five lug nuts is loose. And he says, you know, my, my lug nut attacher drill, it's a pneumatic device driven by air, um, gets weak, weaker and weaker every time I use it. And now instead of saying, we better replace that device, they say, why is it getting weaker and weaker? And he says, well, I'm not sure. You know, I, I think it might be a kink in the line. And they look at the line together and they find out there's no kink and they, and, or maybe they find out there is a kink and they unkink it, but there's still a problem. And they go, all right, it's not the kink in the line. So why, why is it, why is it losing power? And they go back to the compressor and find out the compressor's fine. Why, why is it losing power? And then they find out they're running, there's five of these guys and they're running too many of them at the same time. And so the compressor's losing power or so they need a bit, you know, they need a bigger, and they keep asking, maybe they need a bigger compressor. They keep asking why until they find out what's really at the root of it. That's how we want to be with our wives. Maybe it was, that, was a, that might've been a terrible example, but the idea is to keep getting underneath it. So you had a terrible work today. Wow, what happened? Oh, well, you know, my, if you're like my wife, it's, you know, my employee made a huge mistake and I'm really frustrated about it. Yeah, oh, tell me, what was the mistake? It's the second why. Oh, the mistake was that uh, she, she was, we had a client who fired us and um, she didn't, like, she got a letter after they fired us and we were still responsible and she didn't communicate the lines with the client. Oh, really? What happened? What do you think happened there? Oh, she's just an irresponsible, whatever she says. No, really. Now you've been working with her for a while. You know, she's not a irresponsible, whatever. What do you think happened? Well, you know, maybe she's just not caring or maybe she had a bad day or, but you know, to tell you the truth, she's been really upset about her pay and maybe she's not giving the attention to that she good. We're down to the third why now. Really, why is she upset about her pay? What do you think the problem is? Well, you know, she said, what, the fourth why? She feels her compensation package is la, 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 la. So, well, what could you do to help her with her compensation package? Well, if we talked to her about a compensation package and restructured it so that she was getting more upfront and less commission, then she'd probably be happier. That's the fifth why. So, oh, really? Wow. Sounds like you, you know, you have a problem that you're really wrestling with there. Yeah. By the way, notice how the last part was, wow, sounds like you have a problem there that you're really wrestling with, but you maybe you understand what's going on. Yeah, thank you for talking to me about it. As opposed to, why don't you raise your compensation package, right? Like, as a guy, we want to freaking fix it every time. Don't fix it. You know, keep asking questions and just acknowledge when they get to it. This is the way to have a relational conversation with your wife. Go under it. Go under it two, go under it three, go under it four, go under it five. Usually you're gonna find what the root problem is and then just acknowledge with them what the root problem is. And if they ask you for a suggestion, make one. But if they don't, keep it to yourself because you don't know better, right? When we give a suggestion, when we try and fix it, three things can happen. The first is our wife can get upset because they always see us as trying to fix things because we're goal oriented and they're relational and we always wanna fix things. Two, we might make a suggestion that sucks because we don't really understand the situation like they do. And they'll get pissed off at us if they use it. Or three, we might make a suggestion that's dead on, but they're still gonna get angry at it because they wanted to come to it to themselves. The only time to offer a suggestion is they, if they actually ask for it. Or 
If it's just so glaring and you can't help yourself, you can try it, but mark my words, there may be consequences. Stay relational. So let's review this. Number one, as men, we are gonna schedule regular conversation first about scheduling, right? So that you're not saying to your wife the day before you go on a road trip to Philadelphia, I'm going on a road trip tomorrow. I should be back around 6.30 and she feels blindsided. Even if it seems to you the most absurd thing in the world, you're going to lay those plans out in advance so that she feels like she's a part of your life and so that she feels engaged in what you're doing. And you're going to communicate why you're doing it. Um, you probably want to practice the five whys when you communicate what you're doing also. I'm going on a road trip to Philadelphia. You know, I haven't seen this guy in a long time and he's my friend. You know, I'm going with another friend and it really would be good for the three of us to go. You know, I've been working my buns off and I need a little time off from work. You know, I may be back a little late, but I want you to know I love you. And you know, even though these people are important to me, you're the most important person in my life. Five wise. Don't just say I'm going, this is it. Hope that's okay. Just work through the relational part because that's the... Your wife wants a, is a creature of relationship. Can we talk for a second about why that is? The theory is, and I tend to back this up, that because women have children, they have discovered, particularly when they've given childbirth and they're at their weakest point, that they need what? Support. And usually they need support not just from their husband, not just from their family, but from their wider the community. And so over generations and generations of childbirth, women have developed a strategy of speaking relationally and understanding the environment of everyone around them so that they know who to turn to and when they, when they need help and who not to turn to when they need help. So women have a much greater, this is a broad generalization, there's certainly men who fall into this category, but women in general, have a much greater sense of who is where in their lives and who they can lean on and what they can depend on. Now men, because they don't bear children, because for a long time before industrial society bore the privilege and burden of supplying food and whatever else for the household, tend to be goal-oriented. They're either goal-oriented in terms of hunting or they're goal-oriented in terms of nurturing a seed and having it grow so that they can gather, but they're goal-oriented. This is why we are how we are. Once you understand that this is how we are, once you understand that this is our nature, you can work with it. And get that just because you have a male anatomy does not mean that you're incapable of being relational. In fact, within you is what we used to call in psychology a male and female part or masculine and feminine quality. Now I am calling it, and I hope the rest of psychology is following me, a goal-oriented and a relational part because they're not distinctly male and female qualities. They're qualities that females have leaned into for a long time because biologically over time it's made sense and men have leaned into for a long time for the same reason. But our society is such today where that is changing. And so men, we want to become more relational. It serves us, not just at home, but in the rest of our lives. All right, so now you've got a quick strategy for dealing conflict, and now you've got a strategy for keeping things smooth. Let's see if we covered everything in that strategy. So we're gonna use our goal-oriented qualities to make sure that we're on point, that we're doing this on a regular basis. That's A, we're gonna lean into our own strengths. We're gonna lean into our relational side and develop our relational side because it serves us 
in life and at home to do so. And when we communicate about our schedule, we're going to be what? Relational about it. We're going to explain some whys. We're going to ask some whys. When we have conversations about how did your day go, we're going to lean into that relational quality so that we really start to understand what's going on with our wife. And that's what caring communication is about. Caring communication is when we communicate evenly, goals and relationally. And our wives will follow our lead on that, or they may take the lead on that, and we need to follow. And that's fine. We're leading in that we're having the conversation. We are initiating the conversation. We need to show that we care enough to take the lead in this regard. Now, through care and communication, our trust comes up. We tell them things are gonna be a certain way. We're gonna be going to, on a trip. We're gonna be back at this time. We, if we're late, we let them know. They see that, trust goes up. We hear what's going on in their day. We ask them questions about what's going on. We show that we actually understand their pain and not just notice that they have it. Trust goes up. So we're building trust in that caring communication. But here's the real thing we're building is empathy. We're starting to understand what makes our wife tick and what makes her day run and vice versa. And in that empathy and understanding is what? More trust. And that trust builds even more caring communication. It's a cycle. And that cycle of caring communication, trust, and empathy is the basis of intimacy. And intimacy is what keeps a marriage tight and coherent and together. Next time I do my talking head routine, which is a podcast or a video blog without an interviewer or an interviewee, we're going to talk about how to win your husband back. Have a great day and thank you for tuning in.